I'm just reminded I'd promised to take my young ward, Dick Grayson, fishing, if you'll excuse me. Biff, bam, pow, let's take a trip down to Batman land. There's a problem. Better let us handle this. When I'm not patrolling the streets, struggling with an identity crisis, I'm Nick, an editor at SBS Online. I don't know who he is behind that mask of his, but I do know when we need him. It's Batman! We need him now. And I'm joined, as always, by Batman Land's very own Poison Ivy, Ooh. Fiona. Let's go! That's very mysterious, because she's not in the show. But anyway, <laughs> thank you very much. Hi. And we're also joined by SBS Viceland Channel Manager, John Bohm. John, how are you? Great, thanks. Thanks for having me back, guys. <laughs> it's so good to see you, John. I'm super excited about the show today because we've got a very special guest, the Tick creator, Ben Edlund, who is a huge Batman fan, um, especially of the 60s series. And we have a great chat with him. But first, we're talking about the episodes that just aired featuring the Mad Hatter. He's the villain of the week. And the episodes are titled... The 13th Hat and A Batman Stands Pat. Right. I'll give you a little synopsis of those ones if you like. Please. Uh, so, right, this week, just for something different, we've got a weird and convoluted story of vengeance and trying to get the Batman. As the evil Mad Hatter, a.k.a. Jarvis Titch, snatches 12 hats and the people under them. Our wallets will be filled, boys. As soon as I have completed the most fantastic hat snatch of my glorious career. And... There's method to all of his madness, apparently, because to top it all off, uh, he wants to get the caped crusader as the deciding vote in his bizarro jury that he's building. I found the whole thing baffling. <laughs> <laughs> like, I've watched it A twice bit. now. Yeah, yeah. Well, see, I wondered if you guys had the same feeling because I don't think they successfully established that they were the jurors on in his original trial. I just thought he was snatching 12 people to build a jury. There were a couple of Does mentions of... And they did seem like the way they put in exposition on the show is just very casual, I would say. They, they, there were a couple of casual mentions of, did it, Batman, remember when you uh, uh, testified against Mad Hatter in, um, in court and um, sent him to prison? And then Mad Hatter at some point later on says, the jury that convicted me, and the, he makes mention of them. So that's, I guess that's... How and they were all 12 people with quite prominent hats. There's a chef, there's a fireman, right. there's a milliner. Uh, <laughs> a happy, I guess that's where the hat fixation comes from. It's a happy coincidence. Yes. Or was it just a time in the world where everyone well, true. had very distinctive hats? True, yeah. yeah. Big time for hats in the 60s. Um, that's but, true. But, you know, chefs still wear hats and firemen and whatnot. I don't think there could have been a less menacing sound that they played when his hat pops open <laughs> and he... Um, uh, hypnotizes people. The eyes pop out with the... the... Uh, bong. It's really kind of a comical clown noise. It was a really good impression. Bong. What are you doing with my hat? What, what's the name of the, uh, of the, of the hat uh, weapon that he has? That is a super instant mesmerizer. Yes, it is very instant. It's, it's not super. delayed. No, it's not. Way. And this is another example of those... Um, 
sort of ropey optical optical effects with the, yes. the and radar. You can, you can definitely see some like wires inside the hat as well. But it's great. It's great. Yeah. It's good. It's good. My super instant mesmerizer. It never fails. Okay, boys, carry him out. <laughs> I did enjoy that people seemed almost as upset about the hats being stolen as the people being kidnapped. I well, think more the, so. The, the woman in the hat store was like, a hat was stolen. Oh, and someone was kidnapped. <laughs> it's, yeah, very by the by. Yeah. Her performance was probably my favorite thing about the episode. She did, she went from, somebody's been kidnapped. I don't know what, what's going on. And uh, it's great to see you, Batman. And it, and, she either had a cold. You must be clear voyage or something. No, she had, definitely had a cold. Or she's got a sinus infection. Because she kept talking like this. Yeah. Hi, I'm Babette. So great to meet you, Batman. That's what people call me. My name's Babette. People call me Babette. That's my name. The robbery, the kidnapping. It all happened so quickly. But Madame Magda as well. She was the maker of many hats. and um, But she only really wore the one. We saw it a couple of times. I thought, you know, she's this high-class milliner. She's got the one fluffy number that she keeps trotting out. I do, mean, it's a fine hat, don't get me wrong. Do we still have fancy hat shops today? Is that a thing? Yeah, I think they make all their money on Melbourne Cup Day and then clothes for the rest of the year. $85 for a hat. Well, I looked that up, actually, in modern money, <laughs> modern Aussie lot. dollars, yeah. <laughs> about 600 bucks. Oh, wow. Well, to be fair, Batman's like a billionaire this in modern true. day. So yeah. yeah. He can he, afford it. He should be taking out Anne Harriet out a bit more. Well, for all the lies that they keep spinning. I think I've decided that Aunt Harriet's in on it all. She's in it for the hats. Or I mean, she's just incredibly stupid. Well, that's one option. No, I just I'm think interested she... in this theory. Let, let's do a read on this. Go on. <laughs> no, I just think, you know, like, you know how when your parents know that you're lying or, you know, you, like, think you're being sneaky, but your parents are like, yeah, we, we knew. Like, I mm-hmm. think... She knows exactly what's happening. Okay. Also, because Alfred will walk up with within earshot of everyone and say, "The bat phone has rung." <laughs> like, I just um, think there's more to her. I'd like to see more well, yeah. on Harriet. I'm she's, sure she's got a very rich internal life. She really breathlessly could not uh, believe that um, they would go bird watching on um, the day of the tea ceremony. Yeah. On the day of the tea tasting. You know how they are about their bird sighting, madam. She's up to her neck in trying to work out Pico and Oolong and they're off looking at birds. It's very inconsiderate, but, you know, is that the act of a woman who knows clearly what's going on? She seemed pretty passionate about those that tea. Yeah, maybe. Mm. Well, I'm just kind of surprised at 13 episodes in, the things that keep happening, like um, when the bat phone rings and Alfred um, lets um, Bruce and Dick know, there's still just so incredibly surprised. What? They just they can't believe that the bat phone is rung, but it keeps ringing at the same time every week. But there's still this um, excited surprise. What's well, a thrill? They yeah. wanted. That's what it's they like want they, to do. It's like they never get the call, and then they and then it comes. And what? It's like the Ghostbusters call. Each time, it's like the first time. Yeah, they love it. Does Bruce Wayne work in this version of Batman, or is he like a philanthropist millionaire at this point? Because he's definitely never doing any. Wayne Industries stuff. Mm. Yeah, that's true. What does he do all day besides teach Dick a variety of social studies? He's a marble expert somehow. He has. <laughs> he spent many years studying. He, he said. Sculpture. He said many hours. So I feel like. Oh, he, did he, he, is it hours? Read one book and then ordered some some sculptures. <laughs> so on the sculpture front, I mean, we do have a character straight from Central Casting, Monsieur Marble. 
is in this one doing a uh, <laughs> another, pitch perfect another French thing. accent. Mon ami, Batman, I'm the boy wonder. To what do I owe the honour of this visit? I didn't understand until I admittedly had to read some other people's recaps about this episode. What? Sorry. What? Two two viewings. I couldn't get it through. Um, <laughs> Batman's having a sculpture made of him. Well, yes. yes. What? Where, where, where is that established? What? All right. I'll, one viewing, I might add. Um, he's getting a sculpture made as a deterrent to prisoners. The, the prisoners. Yes, because nothing says don't fight crime anymore and don't come after me by making a life-size statue of yourself and plonking it in front of people who are your sworn enemies. So I think it's his attempt. He's very committed to the issue of rehabilitation and I think Gotham That's City true. has a very high recidivism rate with the way that Apparently. these um, these just keep getting thugs out. are always yeah. coming out, coming back for him. Um, so, you know, it's his way of trying to address that. Will it be effective? I don't think so. But look. The idea that this version of Batman would sit for hours for a, with a sculptor to get a statue made is a little bit, uh, I think it takes a little, a little bit to, to uh, swallow, to accept. Like this bird, that this is, this is who Batman is. Yeah, yeah, I'll, oh yeah, yeah, you need a sculpture? Yeah, I'll sit there. I'll, I'll sit there for a few hours. Well, the Batman hasn't rung for a while. Yeah, yeah, sure, what's he going to do? He can't hang out at Wayne Manor with Aunt Harriet and her tea leaves. <laughs> When Dick sees the bust and he calls it a piece of rock, Dick still just can't seem to grasp that any that art is valuable or that any anything is worth learning at any time. I feel like he's very slowly getting there, like with the French and the Chopin and mm. now sculpture. Mm. He's gonna he's gonna grow up to be a very cultured, spoiled brat. <laughs> I hope I hope some of this is seeping in because he seems to be resisting it. What's that piece of garbage, Dick? It's a bust made of marble. Do you want to talk about the contraption? I would love to talk about the contraption. And this, a felt shredder. Or should I say, a shredder that shall be felt? (laughs) It's a machine that's meant to turn humans into hats. Correct? I thought it was just a machine that made hats. Well, yes, but when it's in the Mad Hatter's hands. Yes. He wanted to turn Batman into a fez. Yeah, does he want to turn Batman himself, like his body, into a fez? Yeah, I think that was the weird goal of it. So it'd be really meaty and... Bloody. And gross. Yeah. Heavy, probably. Yeah. (laughs) Huge. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that seems impractical. It was weird, but a little crazy. Batman's... um, reflexes really didn't um, help him all that much when the plaster covers him. He kind of stood there for a good few beats, kind of wondering what's going on, and the plaster falls on top of him. Yeah, before being replaced by what was clearly like a coffin or something because he suddenly got four times larger. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, it would have been nice for him to do like a Pompeii sort of style freeze. Yes, yeah. Uh, and that was our cliffhanger of the uh, the 13th hat. When the plaster hardens and is removed, I'll get a, a mould of his cowl. Not only that, but Batman will be permanently plastered. Yeah. Would he suffocate? No, because he's very good at holding his breath. <laughs> yeah, apparently, apparently that's a trick. That's a trick. How'd you survive in there? Held my breath. That's it. Duh. <laughs> so simple. Holy frogman! I did quite like that Monsieur Marble, the true artisan that he is, he took great care in trying to chip Batman out of that. He, I will not disfigure my friend, the Batman. 
I've been noticing that the most popular fighting move, aside from just punches, is um, getting up on a table of some sort. It always seems to be a table <laughs> handy during these fights. Take a and flying then, leap. And then diving off of it onto somebody. Yeah, there's a lot of, like, four-step <laughs> movements involved yeah. that really just can't be worth the effort. I loved uh, how, at the end, Bruce Wayne takes a good, what feels like a good 45 minutes to go through, was, was I wearing a hat? feel like I was wearing a hat. And the, the moment just goes on and on. It's very funny. It is. He's got a sense memory of the cowl. Right, so now we have our chat with Ben Edlund, who's the creator of The Tick. Now playing on Amazon is the third adaptation that he's done of this uh, character. There was a, an animated series in 1994, and a live action series in um, starring Patrick Warburton in 2001. And now, all these years later, there's a new live action series. Uh, ben was also a writer on the show Supernatural for several seasons. Um, and he's an all around fantastic dude, Ben Edlund. Thanks for joining us on Batman Land. Oh, it's my pleasure. Uh, Batman's a big part of my youth and adulthood. <laughs> I um, am Batman. <laughs> wow. Ah, what a that's scoop. A, that's a great coincidence. <laughs> so, you know, if you got questions. Oh, look. Well. The Tick doesn't really fit into a strict genre. No. It's a genre, right? It's a, it's a few different things. It's a I lot would of say. things to a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, I think you could kind of reduce it uh, pretty at the, from a distance to it's, it's superhero comedy. Okay. Um, but that's such a weird sort of subgenre unto itself. Um, what else is in that genre? Uh, you know, to me, that's got a history of, I mean, well, specifically live action superhero comedy is a very interesting world that has things like uh, The Greatest American Hero, American TV series, or right. Mystery Men Mystery is a good Men. example we were just talking of about you know, something like that. Um, I think that uh, TV has played around a little bit with it. Um, I think Deadpool is considered, you yeah. know, uh, superhero comedy, even like I'd say, but but there's a difference because Deadpool connects with the Marvel universe and sort of serious canon, so it only has a certain latitude, comedically speaking. Um, so it's a superhero comedy, but it is it's a it's a actually tonally it's a weird hybrid. It was it was designed to kind of just sort of be a bunch of things. Like uh, I want to have fun with superheroes. I want to have fun making fun of this cultural saturation that's really we're at a point of fatigue with superheroes mm. sorry i've got a superhero show too <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh this one feels like it's about superheroes it's about the phenomenon in a way to a degree i mean that's always been the position of the tick is to kind of be sort of observing the the deeper kind of mechanics a little bit while we're just sort of having goofy fun yeah a clear uh, inspiration, well, as far as we can tell, yes, for the tick <laughs> has to be Adam West's Batman. Yes, there's similar cadences. There's uh, oh yeah, I mean the way uh, he talks in narration. Yep, that happens a little bit in Batman for sure. There's it's pretty uncanny and cool. Yeah, and and they have to support a tremendous amount of absurdity. Adam West, I actually got a chance to meet him. Oh, wow. uh, like not long ago and just talked to him for a little bit and he was very advanced in age. This was not long before he died and mm. we just short 
time speaking in passing. Uh, we were doing some promotion work for The Tick last year, and Barry Josephson, who was my producing partner on The Tick. So he was a fan? He did not know of us, but Barry just got us over to talk to him, and right. it was fantastic. And I was What'd able to... Uh, I complimented him on a pilot of his that he had done a while back. Uh, now I'm going to... Am I going to remember the name? It's an amazing pilot that he did for Conoco, uh, Conan O'Brien's um, uh-huh. company. If you haven't seen it, you must see it because... You can see it online, I think, and it's just so much fun. He plays a, uh, an actor who was like an ex-police detective who solves crimes in real life because yeah. he's sort of demented, basically. It's beautiful. And so very much it was as if it's a, it practically could have been. Does it look well? It's look well. It's exactly um, look well. Have you seen it? No, um, I just looked uh, it yeah. up. <laughs> look, well, that, you looked well. Beautiful car, Mr. Lookwell. Remember, the thinking actor. Anyway, so uh, just I was able to gush about that, and I think because he actually enjoyed the experience of working on it and really thought it was so. We were able That's to have cool. a moment. Nice. A moment. That's cool. Nice. That's fantastic. But um, Adam West, the way he speaks, the way he brought so much earnestness to that baggy gray suit. You know, what I mean, yeah. like, uh, and so much of a sense of like, oh no, we're we have a bat signal. I have a bat computer. Like the reality that he put into that allowed for so much fun to be had around. Shall we activate the bat computer? That sounds like a good idea. It's sort of a miraculous anchoring of that absurd universe that he led a, a, a tone and a sensibility and a way of enjoying that stuff. That What's ironic to me about it is when I first was watching the Batman show with my uh, brother, older brother Nick, we were so young and we would watch it in reruns. We were so young that we actually... We liked the Joker because he was a clown. <laughs> we were scared of Batman because he had this dark mask. So when Batman would come on, we'd hide behind the couch. <laughs> and then the Joker would come on and be like, he's okay. Oh, that's interesting. Right? So, I mean, like my memories of Batman go right to the edge of my memories of cognitive ability. Mm. Like, uh, very influential. Yeah, right. Yeah. Is he your favorite Batman? Let's see. Well, who is question. your favorite Batman? I'll rephrase. Right. Very leading question. Mm. No, okay. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, it's all good. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah. No, uh, uh, he might actually be. I mean, be, is he? He's your first introduction to Batman. Yeah, as a live action, uh, really, as any understanding of Batman, he would have been my first because that's before my ability to read, before my ability yeah. to kind of do much of anything. So he is Batman. Mm. And then, like, I mean, I really like Michael Keaton's Batman, actually. Yeah. It's mm. an unusual yeah. one, um, but it had a lot. He kind of has what Bruce Willis brings to an action movie of, like, a strange reality of, like, wow, this is happening. This is weird. This doesn't happen to me every day. Something about that that felt great. You know, Christian Bale is quite a powerful one. I think uh, Ben Affleck, actually, is almost, like, ideal physically for that, yeah. you know, entity. It's... Those are some troubled expressions, tonally speaking, mm. and we're working on our own whacked-ass tone, so God bless them all, but like uh, he alone extracted from that universe is a pretty uh, visually a very potent kind of expression of it. Mm. Anyway, mm. The Tick reminds me of Adam West's incredible performance in a lot of ways. Yes. Well, he, he's gushing with joy. Given the chance to play the game of now, Robin, we have to solve another problem now. <laughs> He's so excited. You know, as much as the stakes are intense, I feel like 
that's very tick-like to enjoy the he seems to enjoy the job and the act of being a superhero adam west and batman through that which is it's funny because most of batman's heritage is a non-joyful heritage yeah sure mm-hmm. you know and that's like he's a psychological trauma victim and a ptsd revenge driven partial human yeah it's um, all in there yeah yeah but with uh, adam west that's very different and so he's coming from very dark environs and actually bringing us to a very funny enthusiastic and kind of inspirational place that's very tick like so there's a lot of that in the dna of what the ticks always been attempting to do and the some other of, thing some yeah. of the way he talks to Robin absolutely reminds me of uh, that sidekick. Yeah, yeah, and it's very condescending. <laughs> very. The next time I come to pose, there won't be any such interruptions. Come on, Robin, we have work to do. That's an adult man, Robin. <laughs> Bert Ward is. It's <laughs> not a kid, um, but apparently he accepts that treatment on the <laughs> from his billion, the from his billionaire friend. He'll he'll take it. The other thing that I think is amazing about that series is um, incredibly hip. Casting. Yes. Yeah. Frank Gorshin, Eartha Kitt. Um, yeah. Like, uh, just the, like, even at that time, just to go with uh, Burgess Meredith and Cesar Romero, right? They knew they were made. I mean, it, it's a very smart, weird. And that's around the time that they were making, you know, like James Coburn was making Armand Flint. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Or in Flint, in like Flint. And um, if you ever saw The President's Analyst, like, yep. um, like yeah. very smart. And get smart. And, like, I mean, these things, that's a time of real uh, kind of undersung sort of satire craft. Uh, And that was one of those moments where they just decided, we're going to make this like the hippest nightclub act, um, but with superheroes. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Really cool, you know. So, Ben, what are some life lessons we can take from the show? I think uh, like, there's some very key ones, like keep off the grass. I remember him going, Robin, <laughs> get off the – keep off the grass, man. They look at the sign. Like, uh, So follow the basic rules and regulations of yes, your society. absolutely, absolutely. Uh, you know, but at the same time, don't refrain from being a costumed, lawless vigilante. <laughs> there's no signs about that, so no, it's okay. No, there's no sign that says, on the grass, do not beat criminals physically because you differ with their agenda. Um, uh, so, uh, yeah. You know, Batman, that's a great depiction of superhero friendship between Batman and Robin. Like, um, about the most effusion of, like, affection that you can kind of see mm-hmm. in a superhero universe um, you're almost embarrassed at times to be uh, there with them while, like, um, Adam West is going, Robin, chum. Like, <laughs> yeah. um, the lesson is it's okay to have friends. What's interesting about Batman is usually he's the one who would tell you, uh, he's not a big drinker as a rule, but he would tell you from the back of a dark room, like, you can never have anyone in your life. You're never, they'll kill them. The Joker will come and kill him. Right. But he, Mm. in this world, has an amazing, ongoing and enduring, light filled friendship with this other dude. Mm. And that's uh, that's usually not the lesson of superhero stuff. It's like you can't afford to have that sort of investment. I mean, obviously, there's all these affiliations in superhero worlds. But, yeah, I don't know. There's something about that that's really lovely. And has that influenced the creation of the dynamic um, on the tick? I think deeply. Doesn't he say charm? 
All the time. <laughs> yeah. All the time, yeah. A bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. I couldn't have stated it better myself, old chum. Um, oh, that's one of my favorite uh, inversions of that line, which is uh, at one point in the second one, this is a reasonable spoiler. It's like uh, he keeps calling Arthur chum, and finally Arthur breaks down and goes, chum is the meat they chop up and throw to sharks. <laughs> and, and then Arthur goes, and also a good, good friend. <laughs> And that's kind of that's the superhero chum. You gotta be like careful when yeah. addressing yeah, well, that way. It's a dangerous line of work. Either um, or, yeah. yeah. Uh, also, uh, be prepared. Uh, you know, have shark repellent on your, um, your utility belt. Absolutely, you'll yeah, never, never know. know. <laughs> you'll never know when you're hanging from a helicopter with a shark hanging off you. <laughs> Absolutely. Life All lessons. Right. Ben, thank you so much. Thank it's you. It's been a real treat. Cool. Thanks, guys. So that was Ben Edlund. Excellent answer on the Who's Your Favorite Batman. Fantastic. And he has learned a great deal. Batman has clearly taught him a great deal. What about you, John? What did Batman teach you this week? Uh, This week, I feel like I probably got more confused than anything. (laughs) It's about Um, life in general. Yeah, yeah. It was a a confusing, confusing episode. Um, learned what a cow was, mm-hmm. was mm-hmm. unaware that that was a thing. Google image also didn't help when you search cow. Anyway, um, mm-hmm. but I know now it's all good. What about you, Fiona? A lot of life lessons in this one, but I think the main one was that as an accomplice, Alfred makes a good butler because he gets signed up. He gets the nod to go and help Batman and Robin this time because oh, yeah. he need, they need someone who is not known to the Mad Hatter or any of his gang. So Alfred very rapidly says, I'll do it. Um, And he works up a very thorough backstory of genealogy. Um, He gets a bit, who do you think you are, quite frankly, with with the owner of the bowling alley. It's just an old hat. You never can tell, Mr Bowinkle, what may be useful in tracing a person's descent. But he doesn't really spend a lot of time thinking about how he's going to put this... Oh, the bat tracer? Yes, but he doesn't put a, any level of effort into thinking how he's going to attach the bat tracer into the hat. And it falls out and thanks, Alfred. Yeah, thanks for nothing, thanks Alfred. Thanks for nothing. I learned a couple of things. Fighting crime deserves no gratitude. I thought that was a great overall life lesson that Batman delivered. It's its own reward, fighting crime. I also learned that I mean, we talked about labeling in this show before and how you need to put a, a name on everything. Mm. The fact that their poles are labeled with their names, I thought that was a really important lesson. And it made me feel like at some point they jumped on the wrong pole and something horrible must have happened to have to put the names on there explicitly. And I think, yeah, so I would just, again, realizing that it's important to put a name on things. Like metaphorically as well? Um, yes, I think labels are really important in society. <laughs> and when you categorize people according to labels, that um, it just helps sort sort stuff out. And that's why the show's on SBS. Well, it's been another um, fantastic episode of Batman Land. I want to thank our guests, Ben Edlund and SBS Viceland channel manager, John Bohm. Thanks for having me again, everybody. You're always welcome, John. It's always a pleasure. Good to see you. And good, when, good to see you too. When can we watch Batman? Uh, and so how? You can watch Batman at 6.30 p.m. every Friday night on SBS Viceland, where we play double episodes, um, or afterwards on SBS On Demand. Fantastic. 
And if you like this episode, if you like the show, subscribe to Batman Land on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and make sure you leave a review. Those are really important. We also do a TV and movies podcast called The Playlist. And if you want to hear more from Ben Adlin, we've got an interview with him. Fiona. Yes. Thanks for joining us. Oh, thanks. thanks for being here. That's all right. Where can people find you on the internet? On Twitter at anything but Fifi. And John? Uh, I can also be found on the internet on Twitter at Idens. And I'm at, at Nick Bassine. And I just want to thank all you listeners out there. Without you guys, Batman Land wouldn't be what it is. And without us, it wouldn't be what it is either. I mean, we're, we're doing the show. 